Welcome to the uh, Department of uh, Sociology Seminar, and we're very pleased uh, today to have a, a local uh, speaker for us, Turkey Yefes. So Turkey got his um, DPhil uh, from the University of Kent at Canterbury, where his thesis was supervised by uh, Frank Ferretti, who many of you will know. I came to Oxford in 2012 uh, on a postdoctoral fellowship which is funded by the Turkish uh, government, and he's also not just a uh, uh, one uh, sociologist, but also a fellow, fellow of uh, St. Anthony's uh, College. So this research mainly focuses on uh, conspiracy theories, uh, which of course uh, we'll uh, hear more about today. Um, and articles, um, articles from, on, from his work on, uh, on Turkey have been published in the Journal of Historical Sociology and in uh, the Sociological Review. He's since broadening, also broadening his research to study uh, conspiracy theories in other countries, as in, like in South Korea, uh, uh, sorry, Taiwan, uh, Spain, and Latin America. So he's broadening his focus beyond uh, Turkey. But he's also, as a sort of a sideline, he's also published on uh, the reception of uh, on the history of sociology in Tur uh, Turkey and the reception of uh, Emil Durkheim uh, by Turkish sociologists. And Emil Durkheim has played some role in formulating a kind of a Turkish uh, nationalism after the collapse of the, the Ottoman Empire. So that's, he's got uh, many strings to his bow. But today he's going to be talking about uh, his work on conspiracy theories uh, in Turkey. Thanks. Thank you, Michael. And to start with, this is a great pleasure to talk to you about my research. And basically today I will talk to you about part of my PhD research, which was on conspiracy theories about a, about a Jewish convert community in Turkey who are called Dönmez. So, um, my research interest was basically, I, like uh, these conspiracy theories became quite popular in 2000s, and I wanted to learn how do these conspiracies influence the ways in which people think about politics, and do they really change people to anti-Semites, or do they, do they, to what extent they influence people's political attitudes and beliefs. So, in order to understand that, in my PhD, what I did was, like, I followed the historical line of conspiracy theories from the 20th century onwards, and who used these conspiracy theories. And then I also uh, looked at the content of these theories, contemporary ones, and I also interviewed conspiracy theorists, the writers, and the readers, and the political parties about their perception of these conspiratorial accounts and how they use these conspiratorial accounts to explain uh, political phenomena in Turkey. So, and today what I will do is I will only talk about my my interviews and uh, um, with the with the conspiracy theorists. Uh, but I'm happy to answer any questions beyond that chapter. Um, so, to start with, I know I will kill the feeling of suspense, but I will basically give two main points like, uh, uh, like, uh, throughout my presentation. The first point, they are related to each other. The first point is the conspiracy theorists use their accounts pragmatically and rationally to confirm their political views and delegitimize others. Um, and secondly, and related with the f this point, I suggest that rational choice theory, particularly cognitive action theory, is a valuable perspective to explain social significance of conspiracy theories. The second argument I make is, is new, it's not in my um, thesis. I'm just trying to um, 
make the, like a, find a better sociological theory to explain conspiracy theories. And recently, I am more uh, like I read more in, in the in the field of rational choice theory, and I found interesting uh, perspective, especially Raymond Boudon's cognitive action theory. And I will. This is my second point. Um, so overview of the presentation. First, I will talk about the academic literature on conspiracy theories, and I will introduce how rational choice theory could could help us to understand the so social significance of conspiracy theories. And in the second section, I will talk about I'll introduce conspiratorial thinking in Turkey, in Turkish politics, like briefly, and I will also introduce the Dönme community, who are Dönmes, and why. Like conspiracy theories pick on Dunmes, so they, I will I will uh, introduce the community as a usual suspect in this rhetoric. And last in the last section, I will talk about my interviews and the the, the, the analysis, the content analysis of the books of the authors uh, who uh, produced and contributed to the academic uh, the literature on conspiracies. So to start with conspiracy theories and the literature on conspiracy theories. These accounts are interestingly quite historically significant accounts that have been used in many different um, conjectures. Like, uh, for example, we can talk about like uh, the Nazi regime using anti-Semitic conspiracy theories to in their propaganda quite often. Or more recently, we can like uh, Anders Breivik, the the, um, the terrorist who killed many in, in Norway. Uh, he was before, right before he, he committed his crime. Basically, he, he, he published his conspiratorial views on uh, on the internet. Uh, I think it's called the European Declaration of Independence. Uh, it's on the internet, and like which was influenced basically uh, by by Islamophobic conspiratorial accounts in in Europe. Um, and as I try to show, I mean there are many examples. It's not only, by the way, political margins that use conspiracy theories. That's not what I want to suggest. But it is a quite a common, politi like a political narrative, that's seen use. But despite the popularity of these narratives, there are not many studies comprehensively analyzing or empirically analyzing the, the the significance of conspiracy theories, how they influence people, do they change people's political beliefs, etc. And my work tries to fill this lacuna. And, but when we look at the literature, academic literature on conspiracy theories, the, one of the most classical essays uh, is by American political scientist Richard Hofstadter. And he's, he, he traces the, the paranoid style. He calls conspiracy theories as a, as a paranoid political style. And he traces their significance in American history. And basically, the way he presents conspiracy theories is kind of po political pa pathology, in which like, uh, people who believe in conspiracy theories kind of see conspiracies as motive force of historical events. So they kind of like, uh, get into this template of conspiratorial thinking, and then they, they see everything in a conspiratorial lens. So in a way, in that sense, uh, Hofstadter talks about conspiracy theories as, as a political paranoia. And while doing so, he, he basically makes, like, this is a, I think, uh, uh, I, I like this quotation, but because he, it basically, um, it quite well summarizes his point of view. He says, on the one hand, conspiracy theories are rationalistic accounts. They are rational, explaining what is going on in politics. But on the other hand, and more importantly for Hofstadter, they, they are characterized by a curious leap in imagination. Basically, conspiracy theories like characterized by the fact that like, they 
they imagine or they, they, they, they live in, in fantasy. Like, uh, for example, like, uh, they, they talk about, like, they imagine evil doing groups, such as like, uh, Jews in the anti-Semitic conspiracy literature. And in this, uh, because this is characterizing conspiracy theories, Hofstadter calls them the paranoid style. And in his essay, he follows this style in American politics. Like uh, he, he talks about the rhetoric, anti-Mormon, anti-Jesuit rhetoric in American politics, and how political margins use this rhetoric in their accounts. And this kind of dual understanding, conspiracy theories on the one hand, rationalistic accounts on the other hand, being like a fantasy-like products, actually characterizes the, the rest of the academic literature as well. Like we could divide the academic literature into two. One, underlining conspiracy theories as products of fantasy, political or political paranoia. And they, they basically uh, underline this point in, in the works and they kind of associ associate conspiracy theories with political marginalities. For example, Daniel Pipes, he talks about, he defines conspiracy theory as a fear of a non-existent conspiracy, which is rather problematic because conspiracy theory, we, we are not sure if it is true or not, but he, he already says this is a fear of a non-existent conspiracy, and he associates conspiratorial thinking with political margins and paranoia. And like another example, like um, uh, Sunstein and Vermeule, they, they basically call conspiracy theories as crippled epistemological accounts. They are wrong, they, they don't explain well, and they are harmful according to their view, and so they, they suggest a policy by like uh, government officers, like uh, infiltrating conspiracy, conspiratorial circles to stop them, the, like uh, disseminating this kind of ideas. So it's kind of fight fire with fire kind of thing, fight conspiracies with counter conspiracies, and like this, they kind of uh, like Hofstadter, they they kind of see conspiracy theories as as, as paranoid products. Uh, um, not unwarranted products of politics. And on the other hand, more recently there is a literature, they understand conspiracy theories rather as cognitive maps, like rationalistic accounts of people who try to understand what is going on in society. So from their point of view, they, they do not really reflect on how conspiracy theories could incite, for example, like a, a racial discrimination or anything like that. But they basically explain conspiracy theories as, as accounts that can help people to think about politics. And, um, and this is pretty much the literature. I mean, like, uh, this, the, the, like, this is kind of main division in the literature so far. And as I said, it lacks uh, empirical analysis. Um, and how does rational choice, this is my recent reading of the rational choice theory. I find Rationalist theory is a valuable perspective to explain the significance of conspiracy theories. Like, basically because like, uh, the, the, the most appealing fact was like, uh, its methodological individualism allows us to, to analyze the individual's perceptions and uses, uses of conspiracy theories and how, what kind of rationale they use while like, uh, interpreting these conspiratorial accounts. And this could be done in two ways. We could like, uh, like in, by rational choice theory. We could see conspiracy theories as rational explanations, people using them pragmatically, like uh, for example, even if you don't believe them, maybe your political, like uh, you have political gains to, to, to, to further a conspiracy theory. You can use it, for example, as a propaganda to support your own cause, even without believing. So it's kind of, there is, you can use it or interpret it in a cost-benefit comparison type. 
but at the same time, as, as the literature also outlines, conspiracy theories are value-laden narratives. They kind of, they, they tend to uh, talk about a conspiratorial group and associate values with them, basically evil values, like uh, usually. And we could also, by using uh, rational choice theories, especially Boudon's cognitivist, cognitivist model, sorry, um, we could we could also try to un understand conspiracy theories as like a value-laden narrative. For example, we could say someone like believes in a conspiracy theory because he has already been socialized into values that are against that certain group that he like a conspiracies talk about. Like for example, in in our case, it is the Jewish community, and so in this sense, it allows us to understand in two ways and. Sorry, I couldn't like um, draw my own like uh, diagram, so I I borrowed like just this is just descriptive. Like uh, it's, there's not much meaning into this, but I just wanted to show this like a classic Coleman's diagram to how we could understand conspiracy theories. Like uh, basically, he, like um, as probably we are all familiar with this. Like uh, this is macro level politics, and like uh, let's say this is a micro. And basically, if we like uh, instead of Protestant religious doctrine, if we talk about conspiratorial rhetoric in a society on a macro level by distributed by books, television programs, etc. And they transmit certain values to people, like for example about Jews or like about other minorities. And these values, like the people interpret these values and come to change or like reject those values. They could reject or they, they, uh, they could accept these values and, and change their political behavior. And in our case, for example, conspiracy theorists like the authors, they create their own accounts of conspiracy theories, and they, they come up to a different point, and they feed back into, back into the conspiratorial rhetoric. So it's kind of, uh, I try to show that rational choice theory like, uh, allows us to, to understand macro-micro level uh, interaction of conspiracy theories and belief in conspiracy theories, and how it uh, feeds back into the society. And as, as I said, this is only a descriptive like, uh, diagram um, to demonstrate uh, my point. Um, like uh, Turkey, like I will talk about, a bit about Turkey and the conspiratorial rhetoric in Turkey to introduce people. Um, I mean, these, are, these pictures do not have relation to each other, by the way. I mean, they are not, like, I don't mean anything like about mixing those. It's just the only thing is they are kind of like, a, they have like conspiratorial titles. Uh, in Turkey, for example, there is something called Deep State, which is, a, which is an organization, extra-legal organization, that is believed to, believed to assassinate people or like organize uh, coup d'etat, like military interventions, to, to, to protect the state. And the existence of this Deep State organization, which is kind of quite conspiratorial, uh, it has been uh, mentioned by many prime ministers. It's not only the current prime minister Erdogan, but many prime ministers like Burant Ejevit, etc. They, they talked about the, the, the deep state. And that shows that conspiratorial rhetoric has been in, in circulation in, in, in Turkish politics. And more related with our topic, anti-Semitic conspiracy literature uh, in 2000s somehow peaked. I mean, the the, the book on the, the, the cover of the book uh, on the right is, is, is, is Mein Kampf, Hitler's book, um, published in Turkish. And basically, uh, the, in 2005, it was the bestseller. But there wasn't really a visible like, uh, anti-Semitic movement in Turkey. But despite that, it was a best-selling book. And in 2004, 
Like there was another book uh, about Dönmez, the Jewish commerce in Turkey uh, called Efendi, and I interviewed his its uh, author, and that was also a bestseller, and he he produced the second book as well. So in a sense that there is. There was a lot of conspiratorial literature at the, at the, in 2000s when I started my research. And when we, if, we, if you would like to uh, look a bit historically at conspiracy, uh, conspiratorial style in Turkish politics, I think we should mention the, the concept, the Serb syndrome, um, which basically refers to like a, a fear about like a foreign conspiracies to undermine the country, which were carried out by by basically local minorities and local traitors, if you want to put it, and like uh, this, like uh, this could be explained like the, the the the Ottoman Empire, the predecessor of Turkish Republic. They basically uh, it it collapsed due to minority independence movements of like uh, uh, nations such as Greeks or like uh, uh, Serbians. So and the, the the Turkish modernization movement was trying to stop the collapse due to these like uh, minority movements, which were usually sponsored by by uh, colonial powers such as England of the time. In this sense, there was this kind of conspiratorial view about foreign powers. They are trying to undermine Turkish Republic, uh, uh, Ottoman Empire at that time, and then later on Turkish Republic through conspiracies and through like uh, using local minorities. So. And this is uh, the base of the, the, the, the, the concept Serb syndrome. And like the Serb treaty, it came from the treaty at the end of the First World War. And the treaty was signed between the winners of the First World War and the Ottoman Empire. And basically, like, um, if you compare the, the map that was left to Turkey after the, like, uh, with the map that the Ottoman Empire had in the beginning of 19th century, the Serb treaty left only 5% of the land like that, that the empire had in the 19th century. So it's kind of, it's quite a, a traumatic event, like by, characterized by like a, a huge land loss. And actually this wasn't like put into practice because there was Turkish independence movement, like, a, like and there was another like independence war, which like uh, secured the, the, the current borders of Turkey. And when we look at like um, Turkish politics, we can see this fear about like local minorities that could be like a, uh, trying to dismember the state or like a, about insecurities about the existence of Turkish state. For example, I mean this is just kind of like a uh, descriptive. Like a, if you look at the first line of Turkish national anthem, it starts with "Fear not." Like for the crimson flag that proudly ripples in this glorious twilight shall not fade. Basically, it is kind of you start the national anthem by saying that. Like nowhere is the, the country will stay. I mean, like I'm just like making it informal, but it's kind of like a, it's the first line is is a, is is an attempt to secure the the, the, the the nation's existence. So it could, I think, show the the the level of like importance of the self syndrome and the the, the, the the insecurities about the existence of the country in, in its borders. And there are, there's a, a lot of literature on the syndrome and its influence in Turkish politics, like uh, in Turkification policies, in foreign policy, in Kurd like uh, attitudes towards Kurdish insurrection, and in the in the education curriculum, how it's existing this fear about uh, foreign figures and uh, local traitors. And um, who are Dönmez then in this picture? Like Dönmez is a is a minority in Turkey. They are basically like Dönmez means convert in Turkish, and they originated in the 17th century. And they are actually members, followers of the most 
successful messianic movement in Jewish history led by Shabtai Sevi. And they followed, like, um, Shabtai Sevi claimed to be a messiah for Jews in, the, in, the, in 1666. And they followed his, he, like, uh, he had a lot of followers. And because of, like, the importance he was gaining in that time, Ottoman Empire like, uh, and the Orthodox Jews acted against him. And basically, at the end of the day, he was forced to, to, to, to convert to Islam. And when he converted to Islam, uh, obviously he lost most of his followers because that, like, like they, they didn't expect him to convert to Islam like, uh, after claiming uh, to be a Jewish messiah. And after he converted to Islam, like, uh, he, like, uh, he, he basically, like, uh, some, a minority of his followers followed like, the conversion. Now they converted to Islam as well. So these are the people, the origins of Dönme community. That's why they are called converts. They converted, uh, following him, they converted to Islam. But they kept their beliefs in Shabtai Sevi's messiahship. In that sense, these people like, uh, like, uh, constitute a, a, a secret community in Turkey. And, like, uh, they, they act Muslims in public, like, uh, but uh, they keep their beliefs in this Shabtai Sevi in, in private. And, like, uh, like demographically speaking, like uh, some historians claim that there are only three to five thousand people still believe in Shabtai Sevi, and 90, 80 to ninety thousand people in, living in Turkey that are coming from the origins of this community, but they don't follow uh, Shabtai Sevi's beliefs. But this is historians, so because they don't, it's a secret community. It is really, it's really difficult to to count the numbers, um, and. And basically, in the Turkish Republic, there are three seasons of conspiracy theories in in the, on different ways. And like basically, in the first two, like a single party era and the, the start of the multi-party era, right wing and Islamist extremists use this conspiratorial rhetoric against the community. And but this changed until after 1990s. Somehow, like, a, like the, the, the, the the conspiracies about the Dönmez became quite prevalent and like uh, it produced some best-selling books and also not only uh, right-wing Islamists but also um, you, we see that like a left-wing like also use this conspiratorial rhetoric so it became quite widespread and that's the point I was interested in the in the in the research and I will explain like uh, there are not many cartoons like uh, about this community but I will explain like uh, why they are an easy target for conspiratorial accounts by referring to two cartoons. Sorry, they are in Turkish and I have no chance to uh, like, uh, like uh, put in English. Anyway, like, uh, that's, like, uh, the first one talks about, basically refers to the double nature of the community, like a uh, hidden and double identity of the community. The guy is kind of, it's a distortion of reality. This is not true, but it's kind of, it's, it's a parody saying that the guy says, uh, I'm, it's a very difficult to be a donor because I have to go to mosque and synagogue at the same time, and like it, it's, it consumes my whole day. He says, but obviously this is not like it doesn't happen like this because they don't go to synagogue and like uh, hardly to mosque, uh, like uh, according to the historians. Um, but this shows that like um, there is a hidden and double identity the the the the the, uh, the community has, and this is a kind of like uh, they become a usual suspect for this kind of self-syndrome thinking, the minority that is not trustable, that may not be like a loyal to the country. And on the top of that, there's also like a people, like, a, like a, even some Jews, they see them as Jewish. 
Like, uh, so it's kind of, they don't see that they are different. Like, uh, and most of the perception in Turkish public is Dönmez are Jews, but they are just hiding. Uh, but it's not true either. But, like, uh, for example, in this like, uh, cartoon that was published in the Jewish newspaper in Turkey, and like, basically, like, Mehmet is a, is a very common Turkish name, and Moïse is a Jewish name. And he says, hello, like, how are you, Mehmet? And he says, like, I'm fine, uh, Moïse. But if you see the people, they are identical. But one of them, Mehmet, is supposed to be a Dönme, because you know, like he, he, he changed his name, but like he acts like a Turk, but he's not a Turkish. Uh, he's not Turkish, actually. So it's kind of, we see that this association with Jews, like uh, understanding community as a part of Jewish community worldwide, is helped a lot to conspiratorial literature, to link this minority with the global anti-Semitic literature, like the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, etc. And they basically, being associated, associated with Jews is, also makes them like a, an easy target as well, which also completes the pictures that I described while talking about the self syndrome. Like uh, they are uh, local, they could be seen by the conspiracy theorists, they could be seen as local traitors in association or in, in, with work with, uh, in work with the, the, the global Jewish community. And I will, this will make more sense, I think, when I'm talking about uh, um, the authors. And basically they allowed me, I will use their names, but like, uh, uh, anyway, I don't think many people know here who, are, who they are, but anyway, like, uh, they allowed me, I mean, like, I, I got the permission to use their names. And uh, basically, like, uh, the data I had is relies on content analysis of the books, articles they wrote, and the videos, like, uh, uh, like uh, of the talks they had on the topic. And I also, like, interviewed, like, after, uh, like, uh, doing the content analysis, I interviewed them, uh, each one of them. And, like, uh, the, the sample is representative because there are only four authors, like, uh, they are, like, uh, well-known writing on the topic, and... One of them says the same thing, pretty much the same things with the others. So, like, uh, so it's kind of representative. Uh, um, and the first one I interviewed was uh, Yaltsin Küçük. He's a Marxist professor who was quite well known uh, in Turkish society and public. He's kind of he has been active in politics for around 50 years, and he's kind of like I interviewed him uh, about the topic and. Actually, like seven days after the interview, he was like arrested, and he's still in jail. Like it has been two years, and he like with the with the suspicion that he he's he's committing a conspiracy against the state. And the the thing is, like I think I I, I consider myself quite lucky because like uh, it was basically seven days in difference. If I missed that uh, appointment, I would he wouldn't be in the in the in the chapter. And the second interviewee is is Sonar Yalçın. And he is a very well-known uh, journalist with secular and like modernist ideas. And like um, uh, after my interview, two months after my interview, he was also arrested f f for the same for the same like a uh, like a trial. And like uh, <laughs> third one is not in was not arrested. So don't worry. I mean, like you said, um, so he was arrested for the for a conspiracy like a suspected conspiracy against the state. And um, I, I, I managed to talk to him like um, two months in advance as well. And the third writer is a is a is a well-known Islamist in in like a, uh, Islamist intellectual uh, Abdurrahman Dilipak. He has been also active in politics for around 50 years. And just like uh, I have a little video. If I manage to show this, um, 
like this is like uh, the the professor I mentioned um, right right this is his, uh, like uh, it's pretty much it characterizes his attitude and it is 30 seconds so I thought maybe I should show this um, without much voice this is a very well known like a uh, uh, political show in Turkey it was and basically he calls his books on the topic as like a bombs. He says like I'm I'm not writing books. I'm triggering books. Like he's, he's, he's like kind of like a, and he's kind of like a like a, he's an interesting figure. And like a, it was basically like a, this shows the, like a, his attitude quite well, I think. And he was he was pretty much the similar, but he wasn't that that dramatic in the in the in the interview. But he wore the same scarf and so on, of course. So like a. a uh, but he, he comments like uh, he has like uh, like lots of followers and he's a very well known uh, Marxist intellectual in among Turkish left wing, and <coughs> basically I asked them why did they write these like uh, books and the the, the I put like uh, the professor the journalist these names they are not like uh, I just like uh, nickname them for you to remember it like uh, better uh, it's just demonstrative. Um, uh, like uh, Kuchuk, like uh, the uh, talks about a uh, Marxist analysis. Like he says, I asked why, and he said a Marxist analysis has to unveil the ruling class of Donbas in Turkey. So he's, he links it with the Marxist class analysis, what he does, and he says this is an academically unexplored but very important topic, and he says there's a conspiracy to uh, keep it unexplored anyway. And Sonari Alçın, the journalist, um, he talks about. Like he, he basically explained that like his previous research, like um, in his previous research, he, he came up to some Dönmez who were in, in prominent positions in Turkish society. And this led him to see how many Dönmez are influential in Turkish politics. And he, he explained this like, and then he, he produced his two books that were bestsellers in the Turkish book market. And, and he also says the same thing, like it's an academic unexplored, an intentionally unexplored but important topic. But interestingly, after writing two books, he didn't write anymore in his own topic. And I asked him, he said, like, he, he doesn't want to write. And Dilip, Abdurrahman Dilipak, the Islamist uh, intellectual, he said he had a personal acquaintance with a dönme. And he also said, like, uh, some of the things he wrote on the topic was, he was sued for them. And, like, for the rhetoric he uses, like, uh, uh, like being anti-Semitic. And he said, like, uh, because of this, I had to, like, uh, learn more on the issue and I had to study it more to be able to respond to the claims of others. So these are, these are the reasons they gave me to, for writing the topic, on the topic. Sorry. And I asked them to locate themselves in the literature as well. Like uh, the, the professor, like Marxist professor, like uh, he says, I'm a, like uh, he, he describes himself as a professor investigate, investigating the topic scientifically. And in that way, he disting distinguishes himself from the other writers. He says, like, uh, I mean, he, he said it a bit more rudely, but I, he basically means that Yalçın and Dilipat do, do not have sufficient scientific credentials. But it is strange because, like, in his books, he speaks highly of Sonar Yalçın, the journalist, he, and he doesn't mention Dilipak, but here he changes his, like, obviously, like, uh, these interviews took place after they wrote the books, but still, like, uh, he has a kind of uh, change in idea. And Sonar Yalçın, the journalist, he, he, he describes himself as a popular journalist and an objective investigator. And 
He basically says Yaltin Kuchuk, he, he, he differentiates himself from the Yaltin Kuchuk. Kuchuk is biased with a meta theory. He tries to, like he says, the professor tries to like prove a theory and he's biased. And his use of scientific methods such as onomastics, onomastics like the, the, the, the science of names. Like he tries to look at the names and try to guess scientifically if they are from Dunme origins or not. So, and he says this is not reliable. But, like, interestingly, like, in his books, that Sonar Yaltsin talks about Yaltsin Kuchuk, the professor, highly. So here, like, he, changed, he has a change of attitude. But again, like, a, as I said, like, a, they, like, a, wrote the books first and I interviewed them later on. So they might have changed their, like, beliefs. Uh, and also he says, like, about the Dilipak, uh, his, his work is part of anti-Semitic rhetoric in Turkey. And that also is not in, in his books. And... Abdurrahman Dilipak, he, he describes himself as an intellectual investigating the topic. And he basically, um, like, uh, he says, Sonar Yaltin and Yaltin Küçük, like, who are left-wing, and, like, uh, they miss the metaphysical nature of the conspiracy. And basically, according to the Islamist writer, the, the, the conspiracy is not only the, in, happening in the, in the, in the in secular Turkish state, but it has a, like, a... Uh, theological, basically, background, like uh, going back to the origin of religions. And most importantly, uh, I asked them the, the significance of the, the Dönme community in Turkish uh, society. And the professor, he talked about, like, uh, he, he described them as a secret powerful network allied with global powers, like, uh, be, be it like uh, America and, and Israel. And and he says, secondly, he added that Dönmez helped the establishment of the Turkish Republic. They were, like, according to me, they were intellectual figures in the early 20th century. And he celebrates the fact that they helped the establishment of the Turkish Republic. And thirdly, he says, but they turned against the country after 1967. 1967 is the when uh, six-day war between Arab and Israeli states took place, and Israel won the war. And because of that, he, he believes that after that war was won by Israel, all the Jews in the world like, believe that there is a homeland for them and which is secure. And therefore they change their like, um, loyalty from the states they, they live in to, to, to Israel. In that sense, Turkish Jews also turned against the country and they started working uh, for, for, for Israel and conspired against the country. Uh, Turkey, by the way. Um, Yal Sonar Yalçın, he again, like, he repeats this conspiratorial uh, popular rhetoric. This is a secret community, powerful network allied with global powers. And he said, like, don't mess up the establishment of Turkish Republic, like uh, Yalçın Küçük. But he says, like, he, he told me they lost, the Dönmez lost their power in the 1980s to Islamists. And he also criticizes this because he said Dönmez, like, now act in alliance with Islamists in Turkey, but he said like this is against their cosmopolitan and secular nature, so he criticized that. But this third point he makes, and also fourth one, he doesn't make it in his books. In his books, he described the community as an omnipotent community that changed like, uh, the Turkish society on many different levels. He doesn't say the community has lost power in 1980s in the books, but uh, this could be again, like he, could, he might have changed his viewpoint. Uh, after the books, but he, he he didn't write that he changed his point of view either. So it's it's kind of different uh, things he say. And lastly, uh, the, the the Islamist author 
again, like a secret powerful network of dunmes, like that are, in, that are manipulating Turkish society, according to him. And he says, historically, dunmes sided with the West since the Ottoman peri- period. So he says, like, uh, they were always the local traitors, like uh, traitor figures, uh, aligned with the global powers. And he says, like, uh, we need to, like, uh, as I mentioned just previously, he says, this is, you cannot understand the conspiracy by just looking at politics. He said, this is theologically backgrounded. And I asked him what he means by theological background. He, he says origin of the religions, and he talks about something he calls the deep reality that is back in like, religious times. But he didn't much evaluate in that. I, I, tr- I pushed him a bit, like asked him, like, uh, what do you mean by, by, by deep reality? Because he, like, every time he spoke, he also told me that he's a human rights activist. He cannot really like, uh, like blame certain communities or certain religions. So he was kind of like a like filtering what he said. Um, so, but he says, like, this is theologically, uh, like, it is within religions that the conspiracy arises. And this, like, I conclude, um, like, we see that in different ways conspiracy theorists use, appropriated their, those conspiratorial themes to their political perspective. So they, they rationally and pragmatically, they took those conspiratorial, let's say, templates, and they they, they, they fit it into their, their own existing political views and they, they wrote their books. For the Islamists, they under, he underlines the non-Muslim character of the Dunmis and he, he, he basically attacks values to that. And the secular criticized Dunmis as a, like a people who doesn't have political principles and, uh, and who are aligned with Islamists. And the Marxist professor criticized the, the bourgeoisie character of the Dunmis to... Like, so in this sense we see that um, unlike the, what the literature described, like Hofstadter, like when he said, like conspiracy theory changes people's point of view, and they change, it's, it's, you, people start to see uh, conspiracies as motive force of history. We didn't see that. Instead of that, the, like um, you can see that they, like uh, uh, even if they do, don't believe in these theories, you can see that they, they, they use these theories quite pragmatically to to to to make their points. And at the same time, if they believe in these theories, they also uh, associate, associate these values like, that are associated in the conspiracy theories according to their political perspectives. In this sense, we see that conspiracy theories not only functioned as rational accounts but also a curious leap to fantasy like, like, uh, like Hofstadter says. And that also shows us that the literature so far like uh, the one that sees conspiracy theories as pato- uh, political pathology doesn't see the fact that they could be used rationally by by by individuals and like uh, in certain amounts. Not it doesn't have to shape their point of view uh, completely. And the other like uh, uh, line of the literature they see which sees conspiracy theories as only rational accounts, uh, only co- cognitive maps to understand society. It also doesn't see the fact that actually there are values involved in conspiracy theories and this values could incite actually like a exclusion or like a like a bigotry like a um, in like a, among people in this sense i think like my liter- my my work uh, like contributes to different lines of study on conspiracy theories in different levels thank you very much Turkey, the Jewish community uh, is not the same. Don't 
theory against this of more visible Jewish community as well. Mm-hmm. And secondly, you begin your talk by saying that in Turkey there is a general conspiracy against something you call deep state. Yep. So that is not anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Sorry? That's not anti-Semitic. It's, no. You know, there's no. maybe military, I don't yep. know what that deep yep. state is. Yep. So how is that conspiracy theory about deep state related to you know, conspiracy theories about you know, the Don's community, yep. if there's any connection. Yep. Thank you. Um, <coughs> with regards to visible Jewish community, yes, there is a visible Jewish community, but I think Dönmez, like um, provide a better, uh, not better, but an, uh, an easier target for the conspiratorial rhetoric, because they blame them and nobody responds, like uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the most basic level. And like the visible like a Jewish community tries to also separate themselves from Dönmez as well because Dönmez are people they who followed like a Jewish messiah and actually this kind of for them they are like infidels so because you know like a, it's kind of like following Jesus you know accepting Jesus as the messiah for them so but these people accepted Syria as the messiah so in this sense there is kind of tension and they don't want Dönmez to be associated with themselves as well and also in Turkey like a uh, Jewish community like doesn't like convert like people from like Islam if they want to like convert or anything. So they, they stay away from that line. So it's really like a, my historian friend told me that they try to stay away from converting. Like some Dönmez want to be converted by the way like to Judaism, back to Judaism, but they are not very much allowed by the visible community. And like um, and also they they did not really like I tried to talk to them and uh, like the visible community they were quite like, a, I mean, uh, not hostile, but unwelcoming, if you say, like, because they told me, why did you come to talk about Dönmez to us? Because we don't, we are, they are not one of us, so go find them, and like, uh, which was a secret community, I mean, how, like, how do I find them? Um, so, deep state, like, um, the conspiracy about deep state is kind of, I just try to show conspiratorial rhetoric in play in, in Turkish mainstream politics. It's not only political margins that use that kind of like a conspiratorial accounts, but also deep state. Like one of them, like a, there are some people like a, wrote on Dönmez, and then they, they sometimes associate Dönmez with deep state. They say like a deep state is actually dominated by Dönmez. So like a, these people who who organize the military interventions, etc. Especially the, the, my third author Dilipak, he says he told me like. A, Every time there is a military intervention in Turkey, like uh, you see that people who are leading it or like who are in the government afterwards are like of their origin. So it's kind of, it is kind of deep state conspiracies are also like uh, taken into the like uh, to show Dönmez are actually secretly powerful uh, and dominating in Turkish politics. Yes. Um, yeah, that's very interesting indeed. I'm, I, I mean, it's it's important, I think, isn't it, to look at. Uh, the thing historically and, and to see where these, these theories came from. And is it possible to distinguish between uh, areas in history where Dönmez actually were involved in things like what perhaps the, um, the, the Committee for Union and Progress at the beginning of the 20th century, which led to the beginning, or led to the uh, Turkish Republic, where there were leading members who were apparently uh, Dönmez as far as I know. You know, which is sort of historically verifiable on the one hand, distinguishing between that and uh, these conspiracy conspiracy theories nowadays 
which have seem, seem to have no documentary evidence behind them at all. I mean, you know, in order to explain these theories today, one has to look back, I suppose, and see times in which the military did have Actually, I mean, I did, I did not have much time, and I did not want to go into much detail in this, but yeah, like, I mean, there's historical background to them, uh, conspiracy theories, especially the, the early 20th century. Uh, I mean, like, these Islamists, like, and the, the, the followers of the Sultan that time, Abdulhamid II, basically they, they named Dönmez as the modernizing movement of Turkish, like a, Republic, a Turkey, a Ottoman Empire that time, which is called the Committee of Union and Progress. And basically, they, they labeled them as dönmez because they, they, there were some dönmez actually in their like, uh, lines. And basically, like, uh, the, the conspiracy originated by this belief that, in, like, uh, this is not belief, this is a true tr reality. Like, uh, Theodor Heltz, like, part, partially, like, uh, Theodor Heltz, the, the, the leader of the um, uh, Zionist movement, in 1899, he, he came to Turkey. And to ask the like um, uh, the, the the ruler to to sell Palestine for Jews to establish uh, a land, and it was rejected according to historians. And eight years, uh, nine years later, this the salt the same ruler was toppled by this modernization moment in Turkey in 1908. He was toppled and he was sent to to, to a city called Salonika, and. The, the people who toppled them, like the, the, they were like in their ranks, they were dönmez. The high ranks of these people, like uh, there were some dönmez. And basically, the conspiracy claimed this: like uh, the Sultan refused to sell the, like uh, Palestine to Jews. So in nine years, he was toppled by by a conspiratorial like a like a uh, movement against the Jews. So like that, that's the kind of like a first moment when the conspiratorial rhetoric became. And mostly Islamists follow this line because they were kind of like a found themselves more in line with that kind of view. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think like um, I mean, interestingly, when these theories emerged, they emerged not only in Turkish Islamist rhetoric, but you can find like, for example, Sergei Nilus. He was like a Russian anti-Semite, well-known anti-Semite because he was the first like a publisher in a in a book form of the the protocols of the elders of Zion. And I was reading like um, his like a like a like a research about him and he apparently he even says the same thing. He says like a, the, the the the Turkish modernization movement, the C Committee of Union and Progress was led by like a Jews. So it's a kind of it's not only local conspiracy like a provided by like a, a small group of individuals, but actually it is kind of, it is I think the, the early 20th century anti-Semitic rhetoric uh, helped a lot to the, form, the formation of it. And in this sense, it also shows that uh, in the first two periods we see that like, um, uh, like in the single party and the multi-party era, it's only right-wing Islamists and it's extremists that use this rhetoric, but in 1990s there was a, like a, like a, there was a Dönme who wrote a book like, uh, and he said, like, uh, the, we are actually powerful and we are hiding. And he was 
apparently he was like a, like a, nobody sees him anymore. Like he's he's a, a, a, a bit solitary at the moment. But when he wrote that book, then it became more general. Then left wing also took on the issue, and then it became kind of expanded. Thank you. In that's like a series, like a, to start with a series question. Like a, um, in that series, like a, basically, like a, even the book of Sonari Altin appeared once. They used the book like a, you know, like it's kind of kind of advertisement, like using the popularity of the series because Sonari Altin was one of the authors, like a, who wrote a scenario in the beginning of the series that became the most pro that's still most popular, I think, in Turkey. Um, and with regards to other conspiracy theories about Kurds and Greeks, I think. Like a, like a dönmez are, dönmez conspiracies are more deeply rooted because it's a secret community and it also like a, it goes back like a longer periods of time you know like a, for example if you talk like if if if you see the Turkish like um, at, uh, attitude towards for example Kurdish issue there's always like a, we are brothers we we kind of like a, like a, this is a like a mean, meaningless fight. But if you see the same, like you don't see the same kind of attitude towards Dunmes. Nobody says we are brothers, or like this part. They, they, and with regards to Greeks as well, I didn't, for example, see many. Uh, maybe it's me, but like uh, many conspiracy books that became bestsellers in Turkish book market about them. And also about Dunmes. Lastly, like uh, for example, like if you see like. Uh, uh, like you said, where they are from, they basically based themselves in in, in Salonika. There used to be, and most of them came to Turkey when there was a population exchange in 1924 between Greece and Turkey. And most of these people came to Turkey at that time. And this conspiratorial alliance also picked on that as well. Why did they come? And plus, like uh, Atatürk, the founding father of Turkish Republic, he was he attended a school. Probably you know it, uh, like from the class. Uh, like called Shemsefendi Mektebi, and this school, the Shemsefendi, is actually a dönme, and like uh, the conspiratorial theory said, and that school, like according to those authors and the historians, that school only admitted Jewish children, 
and uh, no, sorry, uh, adorn my children. So the conspiracy theory is the Islam is used that as a kind of like a, to say. Obviously, they cannot openly say because there's a law against it. But they kind of believe that actually they are. It is rooted. The, the founding father is even like a. Uh, and influential, like the other influential members of the Committee of Union and Progress, then he might be like of this origin. And Islam is like a put more on this and saying that that's why he secularized Turkey. He is kind of his, he was a secular like a strong figure. So in that sense, this is kind of like a very much rooted in mainstream Turkish politics. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I never compared it with the Kurdish and Greek issues. Maybe like a. If they produce bestsellers, maybe I, I look at them. I wanted to ask you about your, the, the comment you made about Sunstein and maybe Hofstetter to a certain extent about their uh, policy recommendations mm -hmm. and um, you know, moving in and crushing these mm -hmm. conspiracy mm -hmm. um, movements, conspiratorial circles. And I just couldn't tell from what you said whether you thought that that might make more of the conspiracy itself, make it mm. resonate more, mm. or whether you felt like it was already a very powerful mm. um, you know, strain within society and therefore something had to be done. Mm. Um, and how perhaps this conspiracy mm -hmm. that you're talking about today compares with other ones that might warrant more of a, a, a reaction on the part of a state and, and just how you know, <laughs> in mm -hmm. terms of how you know how seriously to take mm -hmm. the conspiratorial mm -hmm. um, thinking and speaking and acting mm -hmm. and, and what makes one conspiracy theory resonate more in a population than mm. another, and mainly to act on it rather than just um, mm. expression and mm. thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. And I think, like, uh, one cannot know if, like, uh, which one to take seriously or not. That's why I try to focus my research on how people perceive these ideas, despite, you know, like, this kind of bad connotation, to, to, to, like, how do they interpret these conspiracy theories given that they already hold, like, a political views and how do they negotiate them? That was, I try to understand and I try, like, a, I try to stay away from that kind of, like, a line because they take it granted that conspiracy theories are wrong and, like, a, for example, Sunstein and Vermeer, they say, they call them as crippled epistemological arguments and they say, like, a, government officers should, like, infiltrate those conspiratorial forums in, on the internet, etc., to stop them, like uh, to stop them, they're, they're, they're sorry, uh, they're like uh, because they are dangerous. That's this kind of saying, like it's kind of government officers also like it's kind of conspiratorial activity to to intervene and try to like spy on people on the. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like um, trying to like uh, be afraid of conspiracies but doing another conspiracy to stop the conspiracy so this that was my point so it's kind of and he they were actually like uh, uh, criticized already I mean there's already published work on them like uh, like uh, saying like uh, pretty much what I said but in a more like a formal level <coughs> thank you yeah thank you uh, I'd like to ask another question thank you uh, I think yeah. 
Yes, I am from Ceramic, Ceramico. Yeah. And with this book, a debate started in Turkish society. And he was a Jewish convert or yeah. German yeah. at this time. And interestingly, I read this book at this time. One of my friends from the sociology department gave me, anyway. So it was an interesting book because he was talking about, uh, as an insider, yeah. he says. He said, uh, later, uh, with this book, debate started, and with the FND, yeah. one and FND second, uh, the debate nearly ended, and not ended, but you know, people start talking about this debate is, you know, if Yalcim was saying everybody is Jewish or everybody is Roman, so it's not realistic or something, so it ended. I mean, what do you think about the Ulgar uh, Zorba? I mean, mm -hmm. he was an insider. Mm -hmm. I don't say what everything he says. Uh, what Bali says, he is not talking about yeah. or something yeah. true. Anyway, uh, what was the role of the, him, himself? The yeah. role, role of this yeah. guy in yeah. this debate? Uh, but, uh, and also, one of, as one of our friends said, I mean, this uh, conspiracy theory on the Ulmas is not very. Uh, it's a little bit weaker than other theories in Turkey, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, uh, I think it's an interesting point if they are weaker or not. I never, like, uh, thought of the strength of these theories. But I thought, like, uh, like um, it was a good indicator that these becoming, like, uh, uh, quite popular and common and historically significant, like, ongoing theories. Um, with regards to Ghazali, yes, I mean it's an interesting fact because yeah, in 1990s he he wrote his book and it became like it's it sold very well his book as well and he became quite he gave interviews and he said I'm a dumb man and then he like uh, he he obviously he wasn't an anti-Semite but what he said actually quite coincided with conspiratorial literature. Basically, he said, like, we are the deep state. He said that and he said like uh, like dumb is like control the deep state and he said like uh, um, other things like he said, we are still influential in, in, in Turkish politics. When he said all this, obviously, like uh, the Dönme community, like uh, from like historians, like uh, told me uh, that they, they, they put him like aside. You know, they, they did not want to associate with that. And more interestingly, like uh, usually there is an insider. Like uh, I think it's because they are a secret community. In 1924, there was conspiracy theories, and it started by an insider. He somebody called Karakay Rüştü, He said like. Uh, we should not let Dönmez come from Salonika like, uh, because they are dangerous. And then there was a, like, a conspiratory literature. And in 1950s, another person who claimed to be an insider uh, also talked to... to like, uh, but he didn't talk about much about their political power, but other things. And then it started a conspiratorial literature as well. And also like, about the importance. For example, I mean... like. Uh, uh, some very well-known families in Turkey are known to be Dönmez as well. That, I think, increases the importance of Turkey. For example, Ipekçi family. I mean, all, obviously they, they don't... And, for, uh, and, and, and Bezmans, for example. So it's kind of, I think, it increases the importance of Turkey. But I think Ilgazorlu like, uh, made the issue quite popular among public, as an insider. Who is Dönme or not, and then try to attack people personally, or do they usually be kind of attacked to this anonymous group mm -hmm. that they don't, they never identify who they are? So mm -hmm. those two would be more uh, safe, but the first would be more 
in a sense, maybe more convincing, more strong uh, mm -hmm. uh, argument to make if they find out who is and and because at the end of the day, they have to, I guess, prove some sort of evidence towards how these people are ruling the yeah. the, the, the, the the country. And if they can't identify anyone individually, how is it to do that? They claim to identify them, and like um, they, they use different methods. For example, the, the Marxist professor says he uses something called onomastics, the, the, the, the, the name of uh, the science of names. And he, he basically, like, uh, there, like on the internet, you can see like a like a Dömme list, like it was published, and saying that these people from these families are Dömmes. Actually, some of the Dömmes. More interestingly, like their like background are known. And in 1942, there was a tax called capital tax, and in which basically minorities in Turkey, like non-Muslim minorities, were taxed. And there was a like a, uh, a category for Dönmez. So Dönmez considered themselves a secret society, but even the state, like it's at points, they can like appoint these families are Dönmez, so they have to pay the tax which was different than the like, uh, Christians and Jewish community, but they nevertheless had to pay tax. And in the books, obviously, they have to be very careful, because if you accuse someone, they, there were a lot of like, uh, trials after the books. I think that's why they are not writing anymore as well, because they, have to, they, they claim like, uh, all these people are dumbass, and then like, obviously some people sue them back, and then like, uh, they, they manage to win the uh, like, uh, trials. But they tend to say like this onomastic, or they tend to use different associations, like Sonar Yatsun also used a bit of onomastics, and he says like a, like a surname of this, and the, there was a, for example, like in this region he came from, there was a, like an ancient Jewish community, and he goes from there, but obviously these are all theories, and he basically is doing a guesswork, and linking it with, with his, his political beliefs. I've got a question. I mean, you said, some, you said that it was uh, instrumental, this conspiracy theories were instrumental, but I'm not quite sure what, what's gained uh, from it. If you're going to be an Islamist or a Marxist, you can just make that argument, right? I mean, what's the extra thing that you gain from connecting your argument to this rather weird conspiracy theory? Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what, is, is this converted? Lots of people like, believing this? I mean, you mm -hmm. see these books are, are um, bestsellers, but I mean, people you know, read all kinds of things just for, you know, Mm. We don't necessarily know that they're going to change their political beliefs. It may be kind of just a, almost like a Dan Brown sort of fantasy. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, actually, it's interesting because, like, uh, I also asked this question to myself, and I, like, uh, I also, like, I can, because I also interviewed readers and the political parties as well. I can see, as, like, uh, what I meant by instrumental is, yes, I mean, it's not like, uh, many people read it as kind of like, uh, as kind of fantasies, or like, uh, they, told, they tell me, like, this is our history, but some people, Believe in them, but like with a, with a kind of distance. And they, I mean, it's a, like um, they don't become anti Semites all of a sudden. But strangely, for example, I was talking to one of my interviewees. Obviously, it's not representative for like all the others, but like she said, like I read this as a, as a, as a storybook, like it's a kind of novel. And then at the end of the interview, I asked him, her, like, uh, would you, like, uh, how would you feel about Dunmes, like in the future and now? She told me, oh, like, uh, I, like, uh, Obviously, if I don't come to the place I want in the society, I might like uh, start feeling negative about them. He told me. So it's kind of like this is kind of I think communication of anti-Semitism, like uh, all throughout history, has not only happened only through some serious books or like uh, like uh, scholarly works, but like uh, you can you can see anti-Semitism was also like. Um, within like a caricatures, cartoons or even theatres. Like it was spread by very different means. And I think 
conspiracy theories are interesting because they survive this myth that funding foundations of Turkish Republic could be a domestic conspiracy, and obviously, and it is used instrumentally by different uh, perspectives. For example, leftists doesn't blame like uh, the establishment of Turkish Republic by domestic, but they believe that. So it's kind of, in that sense, I think there's a pragmatic relation, and there's a distance, obviously. They don't become, like, uh, bought into, but they instrumentally use it whenever they need it, kind of, like, um, thank you. Yeah. Um, I would like to continue on this um, uh, line and ask about um, how much do you think that conspiracy theories connected to other conspiracy theories active in the Turkish state um, right now, and all of them together towards the um, identity construction issue? I mean, the often classic uh, memory of the, I don't know, classic uh, enemy. Is, um, is part of the identity construction after mm. after kind of uh, uh, issues happening, and I'm wondering how do those at the same time how do those government uh, conspiracy things mm. relate to the political discourse, mm. but in terms of the um, foreign policy of Turkey mm. trying to mm. balance with mm. all the neighbors and at the same time trying to. Uh, enter the EU and how how do these are mm -hmm. um, doing in the political mm -hmm. Thank you. And like um, it's it's it's interesting because as I said, like I I didn't like um, people read this like people tell me and like uh, political parties I talk to them as well they tell me these are kind of novels etc. But then when I really ask questions they kind of carry like they kind of pick on some of the themes in those conspiracy theories. So it's kind of Obviously, it didn't construct an identity, anti dumb identity, and there wasn't movements or anything in Turkey. So I meant, uh, generally, uh, constructing a collective enemy mm -hmm. as a tool for uh, identity construction, like to differentiate between ah, yeah, others yeah. and... But, but I see, oh, sorry, like, uh, it's impossible to differentiate because it's a secret... Co like, yeah, I mean, they try to say who are dumbness, but it's a bit like, difficult to construct an identity against done in the sense that they are a secret community. I mean, it's kind of all Maybe things... Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I believe as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I didn't, like, because it's, a, it's not only part of a group that uses these conspiracies, it's kind of different political groups use it differently, so in that sense, I don't think the, con the Dunmec conspiracy literature, like, brought together different, like, uh, groups. So, if, if I'm answering that, like, in that sense, um, and with regards to other conspiracy theories, as I said, like uh, the deep state conspiracies sometimes link with them because like uh, they use this, like uh, like El Gazol, the, the the the the member of the community, in his book he said we are the deep state, and when he said that obviously people try to like uh, take on this theme and then talk about this, but I didn't see um, direct links with other uh, conspiracy theories. Thank you. Questions? Before, okay. yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, as an addition, comments. I mean, uh, the circus of, circus of uh, the man, society maybe, nurtures people's as a conspiracy, conspiracy yeah. ideas maybe. Yeah.
İpekçi family. Yeah, Some yeah, members, yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than these people, all other people don't accept anything. Maybe. Yeah. I don't think they are fearful of anything in society, mm -hmm. but it is some kind of way, mm -hmm. some kind of living for them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. and so and even Turkish Jews, you know, don't accept them as Jews. Buddha mm -hmm. mm -hmm. she covered his name into Judaism, sorry, into Judaism by the court decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Thank you. Okay, so uh, before we finish here, I should just announce the next uh, couple of seminars. So uh, this Wednesday, in the field, we have uh, Marcus uh, Gangler, and he's from the Goethe University. He's going to talk about labor market policy, job laws, and work careers. And then next Monday, uh, we have uh, David Stephanisio from Oxford, who will be talking about um, how social movements shape the policy agenda when issues are in So we look forward to seeing you. Those, and we should just end by thanking Turkey again for the